Welcome in, Hoops fans. This is another edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV's NBA podcast, giving you everything you need to know to stay updated with the latest news from around the association. I am Andrew Posadas, and for a second consecutive week, pleased to be joined alongside student-athlete extraordinaire, Kelly Bright. So nice. They had to bring us on twice, two straight weeks. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Andrew. I guess this is a station full of New York fans, and I guess as long as the Knicks keep winning, they're going to keep us hosting this show because maybe they're super sisters or something, but I'll take it. I'll take it. I love, <laughs> love doing the show with you, so glad to be back. Oh, it's if you're a Knicks fan right now, this is a high a sense of nirvana. This is something else that uh, I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams, if you rock the, the blue and orange, you didn't think this in early December. This was not the ride that you were promised. But you know what? It's the ride you'll take and and they're going to take it to the postseason into the playoffs. It's just a matter of where they're going to end up. They might not even, you know, at this point, not even in the play in tournament, they might host a first round series against the Hawks and that could be a first round series when they might be in the semifinals we'll, we'll talk about the Knicks momentarily uh, a lot to get into on the agenda uh, we'll talk about LeBron James and his comments on the play-in tournament LeBron says whoever created it should be fired Kelly and I will talk about if LeBron if there's any any validity to his point uh, about this year's play-in tournament and the format we'll also get into a couple of players who are uh, on just incredible milestones. We'll talk about Russell Westbrook and what he continues to do. He's going to average a triple-double for the fourth season in his career. It's just extraordinary. The other night, he has, you know, 24, what is it, 24 rebounds or 24 assists, 21 rebounds. He, he's getting 20-plus rebounds and assists. He's putting up 2K numbers. We'll talk about Russ. Scott Brooks, his coach, saying that Russ is the second-best point guard of all time. Well, we'll talk about it and see where Russ lands in the hierarchy of all-time point guards. We'll also talk about a former New York Nick in Carmelo Anthony. And how about the other night? Uh, going top 10 all-time scoring, Carmelo Anthony passing Elvin Hayes, who obviously we were not around when Elvin was out there putting <laughs> people in body bags, but he passes Elvin Hayes now 10th. We'll talk about Carmelo and just the journey that is and just get into this incredible accomplishment on him and where his legacy stands as he finishes uh, the latter part of his career. But Kelly, let's get started with, with the team that, is just, as I mentioned, they are on a magical carpet ride. That would be the New York Knicks. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies on the road on Monday night. And for the Knicks, with that win, they clinch their first winning season in nearly a decade, Kelly, since 2012-2013. The Knicks have won 12 of their last 13 games. And because of the month of April in which they went 11 and four, Julius Randle named Eastern conference player of the month. He averaged 27 points, nine rebounds, six assists in the month of April. Kelly, the New York Knicks, we were wondering with this upcoming road trip, would they be able to at least win some games and keep themselves in that fourth spot? They've done exactly that. And it seems all but a formality that, 
along with clinching this first winning season since 2012-2013, the Knicks are also going to be in the postseason. It's just a matter of where do they end up between seeds four and potentially in that play-in spot in eight or nine. Somebody's got to cue New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and not just that, but the no, remix no, no. version with Empire State of Mind, because this team <laughs> is New York right now. And it's so fun watching them play so well. And this is, I saw something on Twitter today, which NBA Twitter is really just Nick's Twitter now, which, which I also <laughs> love. But I saw a tweet the other day. It's their fourth winning season in the entire 21st century. Good Lord. So, you know, good for the Knicks. I couldn't be happier for them, even as a Boston Celtics fan myself, who I believe might be who they're looking to face against between that fourth and fifth seed. So mm-hmm. I, I would agree that the Knicks are going to finish outside that playing tournament, which like they've done all season is yet another example of them just surpassing any and all expectations that anyone had for them coming into this year. And I think you mentioned one of the main uh, players responsible for that. And that's Julius Randle, who has been playing not only in all NBA level, but he's now in the MVP conversation. I saw a ranking the other day that put him at eighth. And when we started the season, he wasn't even, that wasn't even a question. Maybe you could have seen him as most improved player, but not in the MVP. MVP conversation, but now you look at what he's done month in and month out. And not only has he carried this team, has he put up impressive numbers, he's also been consistently present, which in a season that has been full of COVID protocol nightmares, lots of injuries, especially injuries to big time players. Julius Randle has missed a single game and he has been there and he has been the heart and soul of the lineup. He's improved so much from last year. And I think so much of that can go, you can say, is chalk, chalk it up to Coach Tibbs being a great coach there. I think this is a team that has candidates for player of the year, rookie of the year, most improved <laughs> player of the year, six man of the year, Derek Rose, executive of the year with Leon Rose. I mean, I, I think the accolades could have the potential to just roll in for this New York team who nobody saw any of this coming for when we first started talking about all this back in the summer. Kelly, I love some of those notable names that you mentioned. I mean, Julius Randle, he's having uh, an all-NBA season. If he doesn't make one of those three all-NBA teams, it's going to be truly criminal actions uh, from whoever media, whoever's in charge of of making sure uh, all three all-NBA teams are accounted for, whoever's in charge of voting. Julius Randle needs to be on one of those three teams. And you mentioned Derrick Rose. And I'm not going to lie to you for – a majority of this season, I thought Jordan Clarkson in Utah had the six man of the year award pretty much wrapped up. Even Joe Ingles, he's been coming off the bench too. It seemed like a one, two race between them, but Derek Rose, the last eight games, 20 points, five assists. He's shooting almost 60% from the floor and 40% from beyond. No, excuse me. 50% from beyond the arc. I'm shortchanging him right now. He's making half of his threes. The Knicks are 21 and eight with him playing this season and I mean, you think about it, had 25 uh, against Memphis on Monday night, uh, 11 of 15 from the floor. Derrick Rose, this, what he's been able to do in, in his evolution in, in adjusting with the game, knowing that he didn't have the same consistent athletic burst. He couldn't rely on his athleticism and that explosiveness, uh, being more of a jump shooter, a willing three-point shooter. Derrick Rose, I mean, he's done everything needed 
to continue playing into this second half of his career. And he still has a lot left in the tank. And in this role, not having to be the guy, I mean, he is flourishing. And I think this is something that you can kind of lean on. If you're Coach Tibbs, you have Derrick Rose where, yeah, he can be the sixth man, but also in a playoff game, in a playoff series, when you need, when you need to make an adjustment or you need to shake things up, there's a former MVP right there that you could start at point guard when need be, if there's an injury or whatever the case may be, Kelly. And then Leon Rose, executive of the year. I mean, with some of these one-year deals and being financially conscious and being uh, being conservative, not going and making a big splash that a lot of people thought you should have maybe done if the Knicks wanted to be really legit, but, but they have built it from the ground up. They've been patient and it's obviously resulted in their first winning season in almost a decade. And now, I mean, if they could host a first round series, it might be against your Celtics. It might be against the heat. It might be against Atlanta. And no matter what the result is, if they lose in five or if they win in seven and move on to the semis, this is just a successful season. So for Knicks fans, enjoy this because I think Kelly, they've just been immune to success. Even when there's a little glimmer of hope, it's just Knicks fans, they feel like their hopes are going to be dashed. It's just sooner or later, we're going to get got and somebody's going to pull the curtain and say, we got you. No, you guys are going to stink for another 20 years. But no, that's not the case. This is real, Knicks fans. Uh, believe in this. Hug this. Embrace this. Don't let it go. Don't let it go because this is here to stay, Kelly. Uh, the NBA is better when markets like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philly, when those teams are better, when the New York Knicks are competitive, the NBA is better and the way they're doing it and kind of encapsulating the mentality of the city, gritty, grimy, defensive oriented, but not scared to hit big shots and go tit for tat offensively. I mean, what's not to love about this New York Knicks squad? Yeah, exactly. I, I hope we're not jinxing them when we say all this, but it's all of this deserves to be said. I mean, like you said, they have just found a way to use these young guys. I think I saw something. They're one of the lowest payrolls too in the league. They're yes. going to have a lot of cap space going to the off season. And we mentioned Leon Rose, which you, you really can't say enough about what he's been able to do with, you know, not that much available to him and they're going to go into the off season. I've seen rumors now about them going after your boy in Dame Lillard over there in Portland. Mm. That's, that's a re I think that's a reality for this team. And even if maybe you want to go for a guy like Lonzo ball, who they did a good job of not yep. going for at the trade deadline. So I think they're really setting themselves up to take this team, which they've just built so much on and then go after somebody a little bit bigger a little, you know, Julius Randle's awesome, but if you could get somewhere in there, someone else in there to be that number one so that Julius Randle could be number two, I think that that's going to unlock so many doors for New York. And I think they're setting themselves up to be able to do just that. And you mentioned Derrick Rose. He, 10 year, uh, I think on Sunday or Monday, one of those games was his 10 year anniversary of him being the youngest MVP in yep. NBA history. And he dropped 25 that same night with three shots in clutch minutes. And I think going into the season and throughout the beginning of the season before they acquired Derrick Rose, one of the biggest questions for this Knicks team was who's going to be that guy at the end of the game? Who's going to be the guy who makes that mid-range jumper, who hits that last second shot when it's what you need, when your team needs it and it's on the line. And I think Derrick Rose is becoming that guy, you know, 
a lot of people would say Julius Randle, but I think this is the offense they have going for them right now and, and how they're relying to, on Derek Rose to carry them in the latter half of the game. I think that's working for them. And if he can continue to play the way he has been playing, he could end up being that guy for them in the playoffs time. And yeah, uh, Julius Randle is is going to be their top scorer every night. But if they can get continue to get help off the bench like they have been, uh, I, I think they're going to be in good shape complex, especially you you're even having guys step up right now who haven't had to do anything. Norvell Pell rejected three <laughs> shots in 15 minutes the other night. Michelle Mitchell Robinson's been out. Nerlens Noel now suffering a sprained ankle. That's that's going to hurt them. But Todd, you have Taj Gibson back. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he matches up against Jokic tomorrow night, Wednesday night when they play Denver, which is part of a pretty dangerous Western uh, Western Conference trip for this team. So I think the next few weeks and the next few games are going to be a huge indication of where this Knicks team is in the playoff picture. No, for sure. And uh, as of right now, a perfect 3-0 and start to this road trip. Uh, again, the Nuggets, the Suns, the Clippers, and the Lakers still left on the docket. So the Knicks, uh, an auspicious start to the road trip. And if they can get maybe one or two wins and at least finish a uh, game over 500. They can finish four and two, three and three in this six game road trip. That's an absolute success and exactly what you want as they'll finish out the rest of the season at home with games against the Spurs, the Hornets and Kelly Celtics and Derek Rose. He's been so instrumental uh, to the likes of Emmanuel quickly and Alfred Payton. And he's been a stabilizer and someone that, that guys can lean on in the locker room. And I think he's made life easier for someone like Julius Randle and for Julius Randle, knowing that he's the number one guy and nobody there is pushing to be the number one scoring option. It's giving him more leeway. And with that, you know, he's taken that and he's evolved not only into a, a capable score, giving you almost 25 a night, but he's leading this team in assists and, and the best, uh, basically the best playmaker and the guy who's the primary facilitator. So, so what the Knicks are doing and Kelly mentioned the contract situation, the Knicks are one of two teams whose salary cap is under a hundred million dollars. Oh, Oklahoma city is at 94 and the Knicks are a shade over 96 million. We think of some of these teams in front of them and teams that went out and tried to cash out the bulls, the, the Timberwolves. Uh, you think about the Houston Rockets. Those are all teams that are not going to be in the playoffs. The Minnesota Timberwolves, these teams are not going to be in the playoffs. And for some of these teams, they're just fighting to get in the playing tournament. So what the Knicks have done with less, it's something that for Leon Rose and, and Tom Thibodeau, it's something that you have to give them absolute credit for and what they've been able to do. And, and the Knicks will look to finish the season strong and Knicks fans are going to be out there in full effect. And if, and if playoff games are going to be at Madison Square Garden, I don't know what the capacity is going to be, but just sign me up. If I can cover one of those games for FUV, <laughs> please, I'll take one. We'll keep the talk there on the New York Knicks and move on to some other stuff around the league. And Kelly, I want to talk about this because this was, this made such big news in the last couple of days. Uh, LeBron James over the weekend uh, made headlines with his comments on the playing tournament and the format this year. Uh, essentially saying that whoever came up with the idea should be fired. Uh, he also described the playing tournament as basically uh, uh, it, it rhymes with uh, hit. I don't want to say it starts <laughs> with an S. I'll keep it PG. Uh, basically called it crap. 
and LeBron just not happy in the Lakers. What were kind of stumbling there last week, but Monday night they get a big win without LeBron James and he won't be in their next game as well, but they're able to beat the Denver Nuggets who were on fire coming in to Monday's matchup, but they're able to win 93-89. Low scoring affair, but the Lakers, that defense still statistically the best defense in the NBA, Kelly. But LeBron talking about this play-in tournament and downplaying it, and we've heard this from Dallas too, Luka Doncic, uh, Mark Cuban. It seems like every time a team is struggling and all of a sudden they look up in the standings and they happen to be between 7 and 10, that's when you start hearing people come out the woodworks and say that this play-in tournament is flawed. Uh, why, why are we doing this? What's the point? Uh, we need to go back to, to the old school traditional way, just eight seeds, that's it. Kelly, what do you make of LeBron's comments? Are they just kind of get off my lawn, let's go back to the old school way of thinking. What is LeBron trying to tell us here with this? Look, Andrew, all I'm saying is what do Mark Cuban, Luka Doncic, and LeBron James have in common right now? And that's the fact that they're going to be in that playing tournament. So, of course, they're going to say it's it's whatever. It's it's not a good thing. Again, keeping it PG. But it's a lot easier. for He wasn't making these comments when the season started. Nope. And, and neither was Luka. No one was saying anything <laughs> until his team started slipping out of those top five spots. And now now he's questioning things. And to, to that, I would say, so you know what? This is the NBA. It's about entertainment. It's about making things better. We've been talking on this podcast for months now. Most of our conversation has ended up going towards that playing tournament because it's exciting. It gives teams a reason to compete. It gives teams a reason to not tank, which is boring for fans. Yep. It's boring. Nobody wants to watch a team that wants to lose. And now a lot more teams have a reason to keep playing, to keep fighting. And it's made for a lot more exciting basketball. I mean, you look at a team like the Washington Wizards, who came from being one of the worst teams in the league to coming out of nowhere. Serge, Russell, I mean, you've got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, so how bad can you really be? But they've come out of nowhere, and it's exciting to watch because now they have a chance to make the playoffs with this playing tournament. So I, I, th I like the playing tournament. I'm also saying that as somebody who's a fan of the league and someone who covers the league, so it gives me a lot more to talk about. But maybe if I was a player on the team, I would see it differently. I know Lucas said something, you know, you play 72 games to get into the playoffs, then you lose two in a row and you're out. But to me, that's basketball. You know, the play, the playoffs is when it matters, you know, and the, and the more that we, the, this playing tournament is making more of those games count. Those 72 games matter more. So I, I think this, I see this playing tournament as a good. Yeah. These are unnecessary sour grapes on LeBron's part. I mean, the playing tournament helps drive in more money, more revenue, and more revenue in the NBA's pocket is more revenue in LeBron James's pocket. And I think I'd also say I'm not going to go out and say that it showed maybe a little bit of weakness on LeBron's part. But again, he did also say that that the ankle injury he's coming off of that he'll never be back to 100 percent again in his career. That's how severe and how uh, long lasting he feels like the injury was for him. So I don't want to say LeBron showing any weakness because I think if, if anybody in the NBA right now or any team shouldn't feel scared about being the seventh seed and having to win a game and then coming up as a seventh seed to potentially get to the NBA finals. I mean, that's the Los Angeles Lakers. You are the reigning defending champions. I mean, LeBron James should fear nobody, even if he finishes seventh. I mean, he'd face 
Portland or he'd face Golden State. Is he really scared? Uh, I mean, he they dispatched Portland in the bubble last season. Uh, are they really? I mean, goal, uh, Steph Curry is someone you should fear. He might be the most feared player right now. But is LeBron James and Anthony Davis, are they going to be scared of just Steph? Uh, I can see Utah or Phoenix being scared of Steph, but but not LeBron AD and that defense. They'll do what they have to do. And in a one-game scenario, I, I'd take the Lakers o- over Golden State. And if the Lakers finish at seventh, Kelly, I mean, they'd see they they'd see Phoenix in the first round. And as great as Phoenix has been, and I've been on their bandwagon, they still don't have that experience. Aside from Chris Paul, everyone else there is going to be neophytes to the postseason. So you're going to have to give the edge to LeBron there too. I, I just I don't understand what the what the point is of this. I mean, this only helps everyone else, and as you mentioned, it helps stop tanking for teams to give them an opportunity. If you're a 10 seed like the wizards to be able to make that comeback over the last couple of months and now put yourself in position where if you win a couple of games, you could end up as the eighth seed and find yourself with an opportunity uh, to let the chips fall where they may. So for LeBron, I think it's just sour grapes. And and I mean, at the end of the day, it might be modified Kelly, where I feel like I don't think the seventh seed should be in the play in tournament. I think it should be really eight, nine, 10, maybe if you want to add an 11th seed, but I think the seventh seed, if they're clear by a few games, I don't think you should involve them. I think the eighth seed, I think that's what should be highlighted in terms of a play in. Uh, so I, I could see that if you're a seventh seed, maybe you feel like, wait, why are we here? But I mean, that might be something they look into in the off season, but for LeBron, I don't get it, man. What, what are we talking about here? Just play ball. I mean, obviously, the, the Lakers feel like, you know what, you know, we shouldn't be in the play tournament. Well, if you guys could have held water with LeBron and AD out, then you wouldn't be. But you're a game at the standings right now. They're in fifth. Dallas is right behind them. They're a half game back in the standings. Portland, uh, Dame, uh, the Blazers, who I needed to go undefeated in the stretch, <laughs> they lost the other night. So that didn't happen so woe is me i'm gonna owe kelly starbucks sooner rather than later but but they're a game behind so for the lakers and these last you know seven to eight games i mean you got to be ready i mean they beat the nuggets and i feel like for the lakers if they can just flip the switch and and go back to the team that we saw early on in the season they'll be just fine so for lebron i mean i mean you're just giving people like skip bayless and these other media giving us uh, the ammo to talk about this and criticize it because I think LeBron in his heart knows that for the competitive balance of the league, Kelly, the playing tournament is something you should have and it makes the game and it makes the playoffs even that much more entertaining. To be fair, it's hard for me to criticize LeBron for complaining about anything, especially, you know, he did mention that ankle injury when you when you've looked at how invincible he's really been throughout his career, he's not somebody who misses a lot of games and he's not someone who gets injured a lot. So the fact that he just missed 20 and AD missed 30, that really did hurt their team. And I think LeBron is worried, especially when you look, you know, everyone was talking about how, all right, they're bad because they don't have AD or LeBron. Well, both those guys are back. And to be honest, they haven't played that much better. And I think we are starting to see the dangers of building a team around two superstars one who's 36 and the other who's known for being injured. So, you know, there, there's a little bit of danger there. And I think, I think LeBron is LeBron, like you mentioned. And I, if I'm anyone else in the league, I don't want to play LeBron James in a playoff game. It's that simple. However, you look at AD, AD since returning, he's averaging 16 points per game under 40% field goal percentage, 17.4% from behind the arc. 
the Lakers, they've been outscored by 56 points when AD is on the court, which is the worst plus minus on the entire team. So he is definitely not himself. He doesn't look 100%. He looks slow on the court. He almost looks like he doesn't really want to be there. It, it, it's not pretty. I think LeBron's going to be able to come back enough for the playoffs, even if he's not 100%, even if he's hurting. I think he's somebody who has the leadership and the mentality to show up for his team. But AD, I'm not so sure. And this is a team, they have a lot of question marks at that center rotation spot. Is Andre Drummond really going to be the answer to your problems? I mean, I'm someone who personally thinks Marc Gasol should be taking more of those minutes than Drummond has right now, but that's a whole other conversation. But if I, I see why the Lakers are nervous and this is the team, Dennis Schroeder is now going to be out for another 10 yep. days because of COVID. So there's another question mark in your lineup. And this, that's somebody where they could have made moves in the off season. They could have gone after somebody like a Kyle Lowry who could have helped them on that front missing guys. And, you know, you had Kyle Lowry just, Drop 37 against them, almost like in spite of the yep. whole situation. So I think there are question marks and there are some causes for concern for this Lakers team going into the playoffs. But I, I don't think it would have mattered if the, the Lakers were coming out of that playing tournament or they were sitting at the fourth or fifth seed. They're still a dangerous team. They're still going to have to show up and play the other dangerous teams in the conference. And like you like you said, it, I, I think these comments at LeBron are nothing more but just – just habits for us in the media to talk about. Yeah. Health is going to be crucial for this team, you know, with LeBron and AD just kind of making, you know, bringing themselves back to as close to hundred percent as they can. I mean, the postseason is right around the corner, so they're going to enter, you know, potentially compromised. And, you know, that's going to, that's, I think only going to put the onus on other guys like an Andre Drummond, a Marcus saw Wesley Matthews, um, you know, you think about guys like that, uh, Caruso, it's going to have to be a collective effort, KCP, you know, everyone else is going to have to kind of lend, you know, their defensive efforts, which, which what you've seen, the Lakers are the best defensive team in the NBA still, uh, even with LeBron and AD who have been out of the lineup for, for several games. And I think you're right with Marcus all he's a better fit. He spaces the floor. He can, he can shoot the ball and he's such a great passer. I mean, he had an outlet pass from uh, the other free throw uh, to, to Wesley Matthews, a beautiful, I mean, uh, that's what Marcus all can do. And I think with Andre Drummond, it's been hard for him to play with AD. I think they both want to be there in the paint and they just take up too much space. And I think for AD, that's kind of bothered him, which is why he plays so much more effectively with Gasol there because he doesn't have to worry about Gasol uh, being there in the post and congesting and taking away any of his space when he operates. So for the Lakers, if they can just get, if they can get LeBron and AD healthy enough, all bets are off. I mean, it's they're going to be very few people betting against LeBron and the Lakers come playoff time, no matter what the matchup is and no matter what their seed is, whether it's fifth. I mean, they could still move up. They could move down uh, the defending champs. I mean, they don't know where they're going to land. But still, when you're the defending champs, somebody's going to have to dethrone you and somebody's going to have to dethrone the king. That is LeBron James. Who will do that? Uh, we'll find out. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later as the playoffs are right around the corner. And Kelly, I want to move over to a couple of individuals. And I thought about this, you know, this morning and last night, just, you know, watching SportsCenter and going through the highlights and seeing uh, recaps of both the Wizards and the Blazers game. And on Twitter, uh, let's start with the Washington Wizards and start with Russell Westbrook. And we mentioned what the Wizards have been able to do in putting themselves back into the play in mix. And at the moment, they stand in 10th place. They're 30 and 35. But, but they're 8-2 in their last 10 games. 
and Russell Westbrook, a man possessed Kelly. I mean, think about this. He set a career high in rebounds. He had 21. And in the same game, he says, you know what? Let me set a career high in assists and go get 24 and then just chips in 14 points. I mean, they didn't need all of the points. Only took eight shots. But what Russell Westbrook has been able to do in in averaging yet another triple-double for the season and so many people, and I think it's easy to kind of criticize Russ because of how things ended in OKC and Kevin Durant essentially leaving and basically giving the message that I can't win with with Russ. I got to go to Golden State and KD found greener pastures there. And Russ, he couldn't do it with PG. He goes to Houston. It doesn't work out with him and James Harden. He goes to Washington and everyone, Kelly, thinks he's going to purgatory like this is it. Uh, now Bradley Beal stuck with him. Oh, God. Well, well, everyone was just talking about how detrimental and how bad it could potentially get for Washington. Well, it's been anything but that. They're most likely going to be in the play-in tournament. And Russell Westbrook has been a catalyst for that. So, so Kelly, when you see the effort and how he's played and now – his head coach, Scott Brooks, who has the record for most assists in a game, I believe he has 30, and Russ was knocking on the door. I don't know how any single person can get 30 assists. That, that to me, sounds absolutely insane. Teams struggle to get 30 assists as a team. That's neither here nor there. But Scott Brooks, Kelly, he goes on after that game on Zoom and tells the media that he believes Russ is the second best point guard of all time behind Magic Johnson. Kelly, when you look at the best point guards of all time, where does Russ fit in that conversation to you? Is he the second best of all time? Well, uh, first of all, the first one is Magic Johnson. And I think yes, that's, of course. that's not doubt. even disputable. Exactly. Nope. But uh, I think in that quote where uh, Scott Brooks was talking, he says that he's passed one and now he's the second best. So you'd have to assume in that situation that he's referring to Mr. OG triple double. Oscar Robinson, who mm. whose record of 181 triple doubles, triple doubles is in jeopardy. Westbrook's now yep. at 178. So <laughs> I, I assume just listening to that, that that's who Scott Brooks meant with Oscar Robinson, who one of one of the top 10 greatest point guards of all time. But for me, there's another point guard out there who's still playing the game, who to me has a much better resume, and that's Steph Curry. And Steph Curry is somebody who re, not only has he has three NBA championships two MVPs, six-time All-NBA, seven-time All-Star. He was the first unanimous MVP and only ever in 2016. And he's also just revolutionized the game as a point guard. He is three-point shooting. You know, he changed the way the game's played. Kids everywhere, they, they yell out Curry now every time they take a shot behind the arc. And and it's just it just goes it goes to show what he's done for this game. And he's averaging 31.4 points right now, 5.8 assists, 5.5 rebounds. He's scored 40 or more point, 40 or more points nine times this season. And he's made at least 10 threes in a game six times this season. And this is his seventh season in the NBA. And I, I don't think he's gonna slow down for a little bit. So I, I think Curry is someone who definitely deserves to be up there just with everything he's done for this league. And and he, like Westbrook, is not a physical specimen. You know, he's not a big guy. He's 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 given athletes who may not be six, seven, six, eight, um, another way to be great at this game. So uh, I, I would definitely put Seth Curry up there in that conversation. Isaiah Thomas is another name who I think belongs OG up there, too. but exactly, exactly. So I think 
he certainly belongs up there, but I don't know if I'm putting Westbrook at number two yet. See, I'm torn a little bit because I do admire Russell Westbrook so much. Like the the ideal NBA player, when I think about the passion, uh, the drive, the energy that I want them to have, I want Russell Westbrook type energy. I want that type of aggressiveness, that killer mentality where it's all out a uh, hundred miles per hour. I'm leaving everything out there uh, on the floor, but second best point guard of all time. I mean, there's, there's so many, I mean, we talk about Oscar. I mean, uh, you know, obviously magic is number one, but Oscar uh, Zeke, Allen Iverson, who I think when, when you think about what Allen Iverson was able to do in leading a team to the NBA finals and really respected as pound for pound, one of the greatest guards of all time. I mean, Iverson's up there. You mentioned Steph. What about Chris Paul? What about what he's done everywhere? Chris Paul seems to go, whether it's at New Orleans uh, and then he moves on. He was supposed to go to the Lakers before David Stern and them vetoed that and you know, took away maybe a couple of more championships from Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul. But, but you see what, what CP3 has been able to do in Houston. They were right there on the cusp of making the finals. He goes to Oklahoma city. They make the playoffs and they have a competitive first round Oklahoma city, Kelly. I mean, they're in the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes right now. That is not this. I mean, it's essentially the same team <laughs> players, but without Chris Paul and Billy Donovan, they are on a trajectory to a top three pick at, at the moment, top five pick. Chris Paul is still there. And, and I would think John Stockton. I mean, nobody talks about John Stockton because his game is so bland, but he only happened to be one of the greatest passers of all time and someone who played like 45,000 years in the league uh, alongside Carl Malone. But I think for us at the end of the day, I think the knock on him will be that he's not somebody that you can win an NBA finals with that when the chips are down and it's a big series, a big game with a chance, uh, you know, at a championship or a chance to get to the finals. Uh, Russell Westbrook just hasn't been efficient shooting the ball. He isn't somebody that you want taking 30 shots. You know, that was the case in OKC. He was taking more shots than KD in playoff games, which sounds absurd now when we think about it. But back then a lot of people thought, you know, Russell Westbrook, he's going to be, I mean, him and Derek Rose, Kelly, they were two guards who kind of changed the narrative as to what a point guard should be. They were so explosive and dunking and using their athleticism in ways we haven't seen at the one spot. So, so for, for Russell Westbrook, I think when it's all said and done, his resume will warrant being a top 10 point guard of all time. But unless he gets a couple of rings and add some hardware, I mean, he has the MVP, but if he can add a ring or two before it's all said and done, maybe he's a top five point guard, but I can't say he's the second best point guard of all time. I think there's just a few guys ahead of him and a couple in Steph Curry and CP three who are still adding to their resume and are distinguishing themselves and kind of separating themselves from someone like Russell Westbrook. I mean, statistically, Russ is one of the greatest guards, one of the greatest players of all time, but nah, I can't put him second. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that ring is, like you mentioned, the one of the biggest factors. I mean, Scott Brooks is the one hailing him as second best yeah. point guard of all time. Then why didn't you win with him? Mm. <laughs> why haven't you been able to win with him? You're you looking... together. Yep. Exactly. And now, and now, you know, you're in, they're the Wizards are playing great. Don't get me wrong, but they're they're vying for a tendency. They're vying for a playing tournament. They're not contenders. So uh, I think that's a big factor, but. No disrespect to Westbrook. You know, he, we're, his name is being included in conversations with 
these other names, Robertson, Curry, Steve Nash, you know, all these great, these great point guards. So no disrespect to Westbrook. He deserves to be in those conversations. He's easily going to be finished top 10. He's certainly in the top 20 right now. So uh, he, and like you mentioned, he's so explosive, such a great player. I mean, the numbers just are ridiculous day in and day out, and he's not even playing on that good of a team. So uh, I, I don't want to disrespect his game at all. I'm just, I'm not putting in that number two. It, it's just that simple. No, and I I said it of Steph and CP3, Russ, it applies to him too. He can still build to that resume. He's not done yet. He's showing no signs of slowing down, although a lot of people think that the wear and tear at some point is going to catch up to him. It's not the case. He's balling. The Wizards are going to be in the playing tournament. And even if they're not, you know, a legitimate threat to get to the finals, they're still going to make life difficult for someone if they get to that eighth seed, whether it's Brooklyn or Philadelphia. That's a team that's going to give you maybe five to six hard competitive games and try and take their pound of flesh. So, I mean, you can't rule out, you know, Russ and Bradley Beal, just a great combination and a duo that that not many teams are going to want to see in the playoffs. Kelly, I want to wrap up by talking about one of Russ's former teammates and someone who uh, accomplished something very historic in his own right, and that would be one Carmelo Anthony. And, and on Monday night, he moved up to 10th all-time on the NBA scoring list. He passed Elvin Hayes. Elvin Hayes had 27,313 career points. Uh, Mello now stands at 27,314, one point ahead of Elvin Hayes and Mello last night in that game. I mean, they do lose to the Atlanta Hawks on the road, but but for Mello and himself coming off the bench, 14 points in 22 minutes. And Kelly, what Carmelo has been, and I talk about Derrick Rose kind of evolving and changing his game to fit uh, today's state and today's NBA. Melo's had to do the same exact thing. And for a, a, a couple year period of time there after, you know, going to, to his stops in uh, Houston and Oklahoma city after that, it, it seemed, it seemed kind of dire there that he probably wouldn't get another shot. It looked like maybe his time in the NBA had come to an end and for him to get another shot with Portland and, and kind of wipe the slate clean and take on this role of not being the main guy. He's not the number one option. He's not even the number two or the number three option in Portland with Dame, CJ, and Nurkic there. But coming off the bench, being that lead guy and someone who can be a dynamo, give you points, give you tough, hard-nosed defense, give you solid rebounding. Carmelo has really acclimated to this new role, and he's really been one of Portland's most consistent player somebody who you can count on to give you double digits to give you rebounds to play defense and to be a leader there in the locker room his better his veteran leadership that's something I've been the most impressed with guys love being his teammate they love playing with him they love learning from him and for Carmelo uh, this is so huge and I think for everything he's been through to know that uh, once he finishes and, and he puts his jersey up and he takes his shoes off and he goes off into the sunset to know that he'll be a top 10 scorer of all time, considering everything he's been through. I think for Melo, whether he wins a ring or not, I think that's something you can look back on and knowing that he's going to be a no, a no doubt surefire hall of famer when it's all said and done. Yeah. I know. I know before we started the show, we were talking about that video that went viral 
of him talking to his team, the locker room after that. And just the emotion in his speech, you know, talking about how a few, few years ago, a few months ago, he never would have thought he'd be back where he is now. And I think that really does speak to what kind of person, what kind of player, what kind of competitor he is. The fact that, you know, he's in his 18th NBA season. That's a long NBA career. And he went, like you said, from being the guy with the Denver Nuggets, from being the guy with the New York Knicks. And now he's adjusted and he's matured as, as a player and as a teammate. And like you mentioned, he's been solid for Portland. He's averaging 13.6 points as a six yep. man. And that's he's doing his job. And he all he needed was a chance to do it. And he was given that chance and he's running with it. And I think, like you mentioned, there's a lot of young players on that Portland team. I know I saw an interview with Norman Powell where he talks about how Growing up, uh, Mello was he was an inspiration for him. He said, you know, he I loved his game. I would always be practicing his quick one dribble pull up in the mid range. <laughs> I remember begging my mom to get his shoes. I had the all white and light blue Mellows with an all blue batching outfit, wore the corn, cornrows straight back with a headband, just like Mello. So this is a guy who has always been a great, has always been a league favorite. And he's been such an inspiration to so many players. So for a lot of those young guys to be able to see him go out there in his 18th season and get on such a high esteem list with top 10 scores of all time. And he, he realistically could finish ninth at the end of the season. He's only, uh, I think he's less than a hundred points. He's 95 points away from Moses. Malone. There we go. 95 points away from Moses Malone. So he could realistically finish top nine. So I, I think it's just such an inspiring story. And, and he's somebody who's touched so many people across the league. So you just love to see it. Yeah. And if, I mean, and he's focused on his body. I mean, you remember Mello when he was with Denver and with New York, he kind of had that little, a little baby fat, but I mean, that was what he used to do to bully guys in the post. I mean, he's worried so much about his health and making sure that his body is as fit as can be. And I think that is going to extend his career. So you mentioned, you know, being right there within striking distance of Moses Malone, Shaq's there at eight. He, he's a, uh, about 1,200 points or so away from Shaq. I mean, if, if Melo can stay consistent, average double figures for the next, you know, three, four years, maybe if he sticks around that long, I mean, there is no telling. He could finish even eighth. So to pass Shaq and finish as the eighth all-time leading scorer, that would be absolutely uh, tremendous for Carmelo. And, you know, I think this whole episode has kind of been – uh, based on redemption, Kelly, I mean, the New York Knicks, after everything they've been through and the atrocities, the ineptitude, uh, the disgustingness, the horrid, putrid uh, way that they've run that franchise to come back now and be resurrected. Derrick Rose, whose first stint in New York did not go how everyone thought uh, because he was coming off those injuries in Chicago. He's come back and now he's going to finish, you know, maybe second in six man of the year, he might even win it with this late push. Uh, Russell Westbrook, everyone thought in Washington that, you know what? All right, they're going to stay at the bottom and Russell Westbrook, he, he's just going to be, he's going to drift away in DC. Well, they're going to be in the playing tournament. And now Carmelo Anthony, everyone thought, well, you know, after Houston and, the, and that stop in OKC, you know, it's over, you know, that might be it for Melo. People were even joking, you know, he go, go to the big three, play with Ice Cube and those guys. No, Melo waited it out. Portland gave him an opportunity and now top 10 all time in NBA scoring history. Woo. Redemption is very sweet, isn't it, Kelly? I mean, it's when you get redemption, when people are doubting you as someone who, who plays competitively as a student athlete, when someone doubts you and writes you off and you're able to kind of prove them wrong and throw it back in their face. I mean, there are a few sweeter feelings than that, Kelly. 
Have you seen Tom Brady in the NFL? Are you kidding? <laughs> you want to talk about putting great athletes, giving them a, a reason to prove you wrong, giving them a chip on your shoulder? No, but but in all seriousness, I think you're right. I think uh, redemption has really been the theme this season, and it's going to be interesting to see which team is able to prove that they belong here most because you know, as we get closer to playoffs, the race is heating up, and it's been so exciting to watch, and especially – a lot of these players who were the all-stars and the biggest players when we were kids, when we were growing up, and now they're <laughs> back in the spotlight. So it's been really fun to be a part of, and can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, less than two weeks left in the regular season. Everyone is fighting for playoff position. Some teams will be hosting a first-round series, and some teams will be fighting in that playing tournament just to sniff that first round series we'll figure out how it all shapes out kelly and i will be watching intently just like the rest of you hoops fans that will do it for this edition of pick and pod for kelly i am andrew telling all of you who fans continue enjoying the nba season pick and pod is a production of wfb sports <laughs>